Our preaching text comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be holy and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength. Amen. Blessed. One little word and yet a wealth of understandings and interpretations. Blessed. Throughout my life, I remember hearing this word in church or at family events. My grandfather would always make a point to say every Thanksgiving before he said the blessing, to see everyone gathered here around this table. Well, I just can't help but thank God for how blessed I am. And everyone in the room would nod or utter an amen of agreement. And even now, just thinking about that memory, I remember those words and those sentiments to be true. Blessed. As I got older, this word became a staple for use in home decor. You all know what I'm talking about, right? These big signs made with like repurposed wood hanging over someone's perfectly decorated and pristine home. And the word painted in elegant calligraphy on that sign, blessed. I feel like I might have called some people out here. (laughs) Or there would be, you know, signs over like the entryway of a door with a little bit of a prayer saying, bless this home. My favorite, however is the little figurine in an office on someone's desk that's littered with paperwork and bills that haven't been paid yet that says, too blessed to be stressed, which I can't help but feel is more of like a desperate plea than like a proclamation of hope. Blessed. We also use this word ironically, right? When we get a parking spot right at the front and stop and shop, we declare ourselves blessed. When 
the Jets or the Giants or whoever the heck you're rooting for today win a big game, we owe it all to the mysterious blessings of the Lord. I find a lot of humor in the ironic and less reverent use of the word blessed, um, and especially through social media, um, particularly Twitter, using the infamous hashtag, or more affectionately known as the pound sign, on the phone. And I actually went back through my Twitter feed from 2013, my senior year of college, to find some examples for you all, despite my own humiliation. So here are a few of the winners. These are literal, real quotes from me on social media. Help us all. Today has been an absolutely incredible day, midterms and all. Hashtag blessed. Shout out to Kristen Curtis for that four-mile run this morning. Hashtag beast mode. Hashtag blessed. Made a 92 on a theology paper. Maybe I'm not so bad at this stuff after all. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) And perhaps my all-time favorite that I could have found. Ate ate a brownie and two cookies this morning for breakfast because I'm worth it. Hashtag blessed. (laughs) Because of my exclusively positive associations with this word, blessed, I always thought it had a very particular meaning or a very particular understanding that for someone to be blessed, they were financially stable. They had a roof over their head. Everything seemed to always work out for them. They had the perfect family or the perfect job and their lives looked good. Their lives looked blessed. In fact, it was because of this obsession with blessing that I and so many people in my life didn't know how to grieve properly or embrace sadness and lament when it was appropriate. We conditioned ourselves to cope with the bad stuff by naming our blessings. I remember when my grandparents got sick and my mom, being the strong woman that she is, would eventually, finally, break down from holding on to everybody's feelings And through tears, she would say that she didn't know how she was going to make it without them. And then in the same breath, she would completely invalidate her pain and her suffering. And she would say, there are people who are so much worse off than I am. At the end of the day, I'm still so blessed. I've both experienced and witnessed well-intentioned responses to mental health issues such as um, depression and anxiety from those who are trying to help. And they say, you know, when, when your depression hits, you just need to focus on all your blessings. I know it's hard right now, but you really don't have it that bad if you look around and focus on how blessed you are. And during my time as a hospital chaplain, immediately after people would unexpectedly and tragically lose a loved one, like a child or a spouse or a mother or a father, family, well-intentioned and kind-hearted they may have been, would say things like, you were so blessed to be in one another's lives. Think of all the years you had together. We are all here for you. You're so blessed just a mere five minutes after they'd heard the news that their loved one was gone. You see how this doesn't seem to fit? (laughs) This word, blessed, has a very complex and complicated meaning in our lives of faith. 
And I can't help but feel like we may not be interpreting it as faithfully as we can if we simply think that being blessed means being happy, healthy, financially stable, mentally well, and loved by all people that we meet from day to day. In fact, according to the words of Christ in our passage of Scripture, being blessed seems to be more closely related to the harder, painful, more difficult things that life throws at us, as opposed to the positive associations that we have with it. So what does it mean to be blessed? Does it mean that our traditional understandings of blessedness are all just a false idea? Does it mean that we have to be hungry and more and meek and persecuted if we want to experience God at all? Just before these well-known words of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had been throughout Galilee teaching in synagogues. He had begun healing people who were sick, curing diseases that people had been afflicted with for a very long time and other chronic pains. It was only natural that the word of Jesus and his miracles spread throughout the region. Pretty soon, he had crowds of people following him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Now, Galilee, the region in which Jesus was teaching and healing in the first century, the daily life for people in this region would have been extremely challenging, filled with a lot of manual labor, menial labor, whether people were working their own land that they owned or working the land of someone else. And as a way that agriculture goes, this work is very seasonal. If you know anything about farming or growing anything, it means that sometimes there would be seasons of life for people in Galilee where making a living was difficult. Many people might have felt like they were barely making In the first century, a person's worth was very much determined by what they owned, such as lands, crops, animals, even people. And if you had less, well, you were less. Candidly speaking, if you owned less and were less, you were not what the rich and powerful would call blessed. And yet these were the people, the poor, the lowly, the overworked and overlooked, who found themselves drawn to the name of Jesus, drawn to the thought that this man, this Jesus, could give them hope, healing, and wholeness. Imagine how it must have felt for those who had so little to hear these words come from the mouth of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Jesus was calling them blessed, and not in spite of the fact that they had little, but because they had little. In fact, Jesus was declaring that they were more able to experience the kingdom of God because of the material things that they didn't possess. How remarkable it might have felt to be called blessed when they were so often defined by what they lacked in this world. But Jesus didn't stop there. In the first century, women who became widows were often sent into financial and economic distress on top of the grief that they bore for their husbands. 
Their mourning was then matched with poverty, a life that the rich and powerful would not qualify as blessed. Yet Jesus goes on to declare that those who mourn are blessed and that they will be comforted. You see, through each of these statements, what we call the Beatitudes, Jesus turns our common association with blessedness on its head. We are so much more likely to call the rich, the comfortable, the powerful, and the well-loved blessed. And yet Jesus seems to declare the opposite. In just a few words, Jesus has done some extraordinary things. First, he has encouraged greatly those who are suffering in a variety of ways. Jesus has given extraordinary hope to those who have been living without hope at all. And secondly, Jesus has challenged those for whom life is comfortable. He has challenged them to see that it is not what they possess that makes them blessed, but who God declares them to be that makes them so. So what does this mean for us? We, in this room, who more often than not have what we need, are surrounded by loved ones and find support in our community. The world would say that we are already blessed, and yet we have to wrestle with these words from Christ that say something a little different. If we are honest with ourselves, Christ's message of blessedness for those who have so little is hard for those of us who have so much to grasp fully, right? Eric Barreto, associate professor of New Testament at Princeton Theological Seminary, puts it this way. The Sermon on the Mount makes far more sense to Galilean peasants in the first century to refugees fleeing violence, to hungry children who know the raw ache of an empty stomach than it does to those of us who have more privilege than not. Now, I want to be careful. I don't want to romanticize the plight of the poor. I don't want to glamorize it or suggest that it's better for people to remain in poverty. In fact, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. What I am suggesting is that Jesus through the Sermon on the Mount, is telling us to look at those who suffer to see more clearly who God is, to see a clearer vision of the kingdom of God, and to recognize our call to serve. And we do that by acknowledging that it's true that many of us here have a very comfortable life. We are a fortunate people. It's easy for us to call ourselves blessed. But the reality is that no matter what our lives look like from the outside, no matter what we can afford, no matter who we know, what influence we wield, there are still times when we are poor in spirit, times when we grieve, feel meek, seek to be peacemakers, and are desperate to see justice and righteousness. We're not very unlike those who we may find ourselves differing with. It's in those moments, especially, that we are blessed by God. Because it's in those moments that we draw more deeply into the presence of God. The purpose of Jesus' words is to declare us blessed 
because we are loved by God. Jesus finds it of utmost importance to declare us blessed at the foundation of his sermon on the mount. And it's our job, our duty, to remember that being blessed is not just for the sake of potential joy, but also for the sake of making it through that which will be extremely difficult and having it be enough. Perhaps it would be better for us to hear these words in a new way, through a different biblical translation. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and God's rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. God is food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being full of care, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. And not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. Friends, may we, through the hearing of these words, be reminded that Christ declares us blessed and that the most unlikely circumstances in which we would call ourselves fortunate, Jesus declares us blessed beyond measure. Let us pray. Oh God, may we be aware of our blessing that you call us blessed because we are created and loved by you. May we not remember it just in the times of joy, but may we remember it when times are extremely difficult. In fact, may we be reminded that we are more blessed the harder things might get. May we remember it and experience you in all things. Amen.